Good morning and welcome to Alger Assembly of God. We do welcome you back to our study, our series entitled Elijah. We're taking a look at the Old Testament prophet and looking at, uh, well, there's a number of chapters that have to say a, a lot of things that Elijah has gone through. So uh, we're jumping into this. We're going to be in uh, 1 Kings chapter 18 in just a little bit. But as we open up our series a number of weeks ago, 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1, Elijah comes on the scene. He, he's introduced, he comes before wicked and sinful King Ahab, and he declares something that's not very popular, and he says, there will be no rain, there will be no dew, no, no water of any kind, there will be a drought, there will be a, a famine in this land. And he, he steps before the king, he stands before the king and declares that it's the God that he stands before and serves. And we saw that there are godly leaders, godly men and women and children and young people, godly leaders will stand for God. Well, then we saw God kind of bring Elijah off to the side and in a little bit of seclusion, a little bit of uh, uh, being by himself, he had him by a brook in a miraculous way. God fed Elijah through the ravens as they brought him food to eat and he had a little bit of water by the brook. Eventually that brook dried up and then God directs him to a widow. He says, this widow is going to take care of you. Now this widow didn't have much of anything. She had just a little handful of flour, a little, little speck or a little bit of oil in her jar. She was about ready to make one last meal for herself and her son. Elijah asked something pretty odd. Pretty bold, pretty forward. He said, before you do that, go ahead and make a little something for me first to eat and a little something for me to drink. And God's going to bless and God's going to provide. And, and there, will, there will not be an end to this flour and to this oil until this drought and famine ends. And we saw God do a mighty miracle. She stepped out in obedience. She stepped out in faith, prepared that meal, and the word of God declared and was true that flour and that oil continued. Yet another miracle happened as her son died, and God, through his power, raised that son back to life. So we've seen in just one chapter, 1 Kings chapter 17, we've seen a number of different things, a number of different scenes. We've looked at this formula for faithfulness. Last time we looked at how to get out of a drought. But we come to 1 Kings chapter 18, and you know, there hasn't been this, this confrontation yet. Now, it's coming we're going to see a little bit of confrontation today. Next time we get together, we're going to take a look at that showdown on Mount Carmel as Elijah takes on 450 prophets, false prophets of Baal. And it's a duel. It's a showdown which God will answer by fire. But God's been kind of preparing. God's been doing some things in Elijah before he's about to do some things through Elijah. And as you take a look at Elijah and you're wondering, you know, what, what is that makeup of this person called Elijah? Maybe you stop to think about yourself and 
we wonder, who am I? What, what am I? You ever taken one of those personality tests to kind of see a little bit about who you are? And maybe through school or college or job or work, there's, there's the Myers-Briggs personality test is pretty, pretty popular. One that's, that's very, very uh, popular and, and kind of the in-hot thing you might have heard people talking about and saying, what number are you? What they're referring to is the Enneagram. There's an Enneagram personality test. There's apparently nine numbers. And so someone might say, well, well I'm a three. What are you? Well, I'm, an, I'm an eight. All of those numbers correspond to a particular personality type. But then, you know, there's the ever-popular, ever-available Facebook, right? Now, let's be honest, okay? You in here can see those, those listening on the, the podcast or listening online. They won't know whether you raise your hand or not. So it's okay to be honest. In fact, we highly encourage honesty. So be honest. How many of you, at any point in time in your life, you have clicked on and taken one of those little Facebook quizzes? I guess i got some honest people, hands raised. You know the one that says, which Disney princess are you? Oh, you, you click here, you answer a few questions, and you go, oh, I'm Cinderella. And then you post it for everybody to see. I'm Cinderella. Who are you? You know, what animal is this? And what, you know, what, what this and what that? All these different types of things. That there's this inner need amongst us. Need might be a little strong. Desire. There is this desire to kind of know more about us, right? What, what makes me, me? Or, or better yet, what makes you, you? Because you, you kind of enjoy taking the test, but don't you really enjoy finding out about somebody else? Well, I'm this, but I wonder what so-and-so is. And so there's this kind of curiosity factor about our personality, about our makeup, who and what we are. Well, we turn to... 1 Kings chapter 18, and we've, we've looked at Elijah for several weeks, but we've yet to kind of have this full picture of who he is. Now, we're going we're gonna to dig a little bit more into Elijah today, but we're also going to kind of be reacquainted a little bit with wicked and evil King Ahab, as well, a little bit of a brief mention of his sinful wife, Queen Jezebel, and yet we'll also be introduced to a brand new biblical character in this biblical account with the name of Obadiah, not the Obadiah of the minor prophets in the book after him. This is a different Obadiah. So we've got Elijah, King Ahab, Queen Jezebel, and Obadiah. Now, guess what? They did not take the Disney princess quiz. It's not in there. I, I, if you found it in the Word of God, I've not. They've not taken the Myers-Briggs. They've not taken the Enneagram. I'm not sure what number or digit they are. But as we take a look at the opening portion here of 1 Kings chapter 18, we're going to get a, a pretty good glimpse and grasp of some characteristics, of some makeup of what a true servant 
of God is. Elijah is desires to be a servant of God. We're going to be introduced to Obadiah, a different kind of servant of God. Ahab and Jezebel, certainly not servants of God. We'll see maybe some of the things that they are or are not. So this morning, we're going to be exploring some of those characteristics. And as we kind of jot them down, as we kind of toss them out, maybe it would be food for thought for you and for me. Are these descriptions, are these qualities, are these characteristics things that could be said of me? If, if we call ourselves a child of God, a son or a daughter of, of God, if, we, if we've given our lives to Jesus Christ as a Christian and we're saying, I want to be his servant, use me however you want to, God, then I believe these are some qualities and characteristics and descriptions that ought to be a part of you and me. So a true servant of God Number one, we'll trust the timing of God. Now, there's, there's a number of these different types of descriptions, some of which we've, we've mentioned or echoed in other weeks. But a true servant of God, one of the descriptions of someone who is seeking after and following after God, they're going to trust the timing of God. Check out verses 1 and 2. It says, After a long time... In the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. The famine was severe in Samaria. Jump back to those first few words. After a long time in the third year. I mean... For some of us, after a long time, you know, three hours, we're done. How many of you in the third year of waiting on something or trusting in something or believing for something, I mean, if you're waiting three years for something, you're way past gone. We struggle with waiting, right? You can pull up any number of, of illustrations as to how and why we struggle in waiting. And, and in technology, our, our day and our culture continues to progress. There's always new and better things. Just this last week, Apple came out with brand new iPhone. Everybody's got a brand new iPhone with brand new features to blow away what they just introduced last year which blew away what they just introduced last year. Every, everything's bigger and faster and splashier. Oh, it's funny, in, in the course of conversation with our girls at times, it, it's probably been a few weeks, somehow we, we came across the, uh, the conversation of internet and, and downloading things, you know, either from a computer or, or a phone or a, or a tablet, you know, a laptop is, you know, they... Obviously, have laptops and things that they do in school. And, and somehow we got to describing that. Uh, many of you probably have internet or wireless internet at home. We do. And we got to talking, and I just in passing kind of mentioned about dial-up internet. 
It was one of those make me feel like an old geezer moments. The look on Autumn and Brooklyn's face, like, dial up internet? What's that? And then you try to explain what dial up is. It literally uses your phone line and would dee -dee 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 -dee, do all the little tones and, and beeps and boops and hisses to dial up and get you connected to the internet at a super duperly slow connection. And their minds were just blown. And, and it makes you think, you know, it makes me think like I'm in, you know, early days of, of America, the early settlers, like, like it's that far ago, right? Now, it certainly has been a while, I, I admit. Dial-up, I mean, we had dial-up uh, internet, I think, the, maybe the first couple years or so, several years or so of marriage. So we're talking 15 plus, maybe 20 years ago. And dial-up was, was before that. But we're, we're not talking like the early dawn of time, right? But we don't like to wait. I mean, imagine if you had to go back to dial-up now. Imagine if, if your cell phones had that kind of early, slow connection. Imagine, you know, there would be no streaming of videos Cord cutting would not be able to take place. How could you watch a television station on dial-up connection? We don't like to wait on things. And God's word says, after a long time, in the third year, remember, we've been introduced to Elijah. He was to come before King Ahab, he declared no rain, no dew. And maybe, maybe he's looking to God saying, okay, God, is it time yet to declare and unleash your word? And God says, not yet. Go over here by the brook. I'm going to take care of you with some ravens for a while. And he goes over by the brook. And the ravens, as God's word said, fed him bread and meat twice a day. He had Water by the brook. He's basically in seclusion by himself for probably close to two years. He's like, God, is it, is it time? Uh, not yet. I want you to go over to Queen Jezebel's homeland and hang out with this widow and her son. She's got next to nothing. But you'll be there for a while. We're going to do some incredible miracles. And you're going to go from seclusion now to hanging around two people. And he goes and spends some time there. So now nearly three years has passed. He's been by himself and the birds. And he's been with the widow and her son. And now after all of this time, after the third year, then the word of the Lord says, okay, Elijah, it's time. Go present yourself to the king. Go to King Ahab. I've got a message for you to proclaim. It's time. A true servant of the Lord. This description of you and me ought to be that we trust in his timing. And we trust God's timing above our own preferences. You know what our preferences are. 
They involve words such as now, immediately, and yesterday. Those are our preferences. When it comes to anything, right now, immediately now, or it should have already been done yesterday. Do we trust God when many times his timing is not our timing? But that's, that's what a true description, a, a true servant, true man or woman of God is going to be able to trust in the timing of God. We've got all kinds of opinions. What should happen and when? God, nothing's happening over here. Trust the timing of God. God, I don't know why in the world you did this already. I'm not ready. Trust in the timing of God. Trust it above our own preferences. See, we can trust his timing as we learn to hear his voice. And that's another thing that keeps being repeated multiple times, as we mentioned all the way through. We see the word of the Lord came to Elijah. It doesn't necessarily declare whether it's this audible, out loud, out loud voice or, or how God has communicated, but he was declaring his word to Elijah. Elijah was tuned in. Elijah was ready. Elijah was listening. See, when we hear God's word and we process God's word, we know what God's saying. That helps us to then trust his timing. But if we're not putting ourselves in that position to hear his voice, then it's kind of like we're out there blind on our own. Then it makes it very difficult to trust because we don't see anything happening. We don't hear anything happening. We've got to put ourselves in a position to hear his voice. Because how many of you know there's an enemy out there and he wants his voice to be heard? Maybe some of you have, have heard that voice. It might not be audible. It might be that nudge. It might be that, that in the back of your mind, in the back of your heart. Might as well just quit. Might as well just give up. You'll never amount to anything. You won't overcome this. You, you won't be able to make this. The enemy's out to steal and kill and destroy. And his voice sometimes gets pretty loud. There's a lot of, a lot of individuals, a lot of people and things that are competing for our attention. Are we going to be tuned into God and his voice? Because as we hear his voice, that's going to help us to trust his words and his timing. So Elijah was listening. The word of the Lord came, though it had been a long time. It was the third year. He'd already been to Ahab, left and went by the brook, left and went to the widow. But he was tuned in, and God said, now's the time. Return back to the king. See, God's voice, God's words, there's wisdom, guidance, direction. Let's tune in, and let's trust. So we, we trust God's timing as we obey him. Obedience is something that it comes up time and time again. But if we don't take that step of faith and take that step of obedience, do we really trust his timing? Because sometimes we're taking that step too early when God hasn't said to take the step. Well, I'm going to help God out. And we take that step forward. 
In other cases, maybe God's speaking, God's nudging to take the step. We're kind of arms crossed, shrinking back. Uh-uh, uh-uh, no way, God, not me, not now. As we trust his timing, that, that means we're going to obey. When God nudges forward, we take that step of faith. When God says, whoa, hold on a minute, we pause and wait. For Elijah, after a long time, in the third year of everything he'd been through, God was doing some incredible things in him. And God was getting, he'd already done some things through him, but God was going to use him in, in an even greater way, in an even more public way. He was trusting God's timing. Great description, a great characteristic. If you and I are wanting to be a follower, a true servant of God, we're going to trust the timing of God. Secondly, a second description or quality or characteristic for you and I as a servant of God is this. A true servant of God will live faithfully for God. Verse 3 and 4, it says, Ahab had summoned Obadiah, his palace administrator. Here's where Obadiah comes in. Just as, as Elijah was kind of dropped into our story in 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse 1, boom, here's Elijah. Now we see in verse 3, Obadiah. Obadiah was King Ahab's palace administrator, but check out what it says. Obadiah was a devout believer in the Lord. While Jezebel, there's the update on wicked, evil queen Jezebel. While Jezebel was killing off the Lord's prophets, Obadiah had taken a hundred prophets and hidden them in two caves, 50 in each, and supplied them with food and water. There's a, a pretty clear description or contrast as we've been introduced to Elijah and now presented with Obadiah in contrast with Ahab and Jezebel. Ahab and Jezebel, from history, from previous chapters, there is sin. They've, they've led their people to worship Baal, false god, false religion. Religion that included all kinds of sick and sadistic things, sexual things, perversions killing of innocent children, offering them up to the gods, all kinds of things. This is who the leadership Ahab and Jezebel were following after. And we've, we've spent some time with Elijah, and now we're introduced to Obadiah, and we're seeing that a true servant of God is going to live faithfully for God, even in dark places. Can you pause for a moment? And imagine being, you might call this the chief of staff, the, the palace administrator. Imagine being the palace administrator, the chief of staff for King Ahab. Wicked, evil, sinful man who is leading the country in anything but in the direction of God. And here is Obadiah a devout believer in the Lord. Ahab and Jezebel are out trying to put prophets of God to death. What's Obadiah doing? He's rescuing 
secluding and preparing and feeding them. True servant of God is going to live faithfully even in the dark places. Pretty much every place you and I go is going to be a dark place, right? Isn't there some sin just about everywhere we go? You think about the school systems. Are there, are there some things that we'd rather not see in the school systems or maybe not rather not see in some of the kids in our school systems? Sure. It's not just schools. What about some of your jobs and workplaces? Are there some things we would rather not see in our jobs, in our workplaces, some of those environments, some of those leaders, some of those coworkers? Say, man, there's, there's some sin and sinful influences in these places. Maybe even in our homes and in our families, is every single individual a, a Christian, sold-out servant of God? There's probably some individuals in our families that don't know Jesus Christ. So from schools to business to family to communities to sports to politics and etc., everywhere we go, everywhere we turn, it seems like there's darkness. There's those who are living against God. Does that lessen our need or our requirement of standing up for and living for God because there's sin in sinful places? No. It means all the more you and I ought to live faithfully for God even when in dark places, even if it's not always easy. And it's not always easy, right? Sometimes living for God in a public school means getting made fun of. Sometimes living for God in the workplace means getting made fun of. Sometimes living for God and taking a stand for God in the community or on certain issues means being ostracized or names being called. Does that mean we shrink back and don't stand for God and we don't live faithfully? No. The child of God, the servant of God, as we see in Elijah, as we see in Obadiah, even in difficult, tough, and dark places, is going to live faithfully. We can do it with God's help and strength. We can live faithfully for God wherever he has placed us. There's an encouragement here. You see Obadiah as the palace administrator, chief of staff, if you would, in the midst of a wicked, sinful palace, God's got some light. God's got a believer. God's got a servant that is living for him, trying to make a difference. Can you, can you imagine trying to make a difference, hiding and taking care of 100 prophets when your boss is trying to eliminate them? That's taking a stand and living faithfully for God wherever he's placed you. Where God has placed you might not be the easiest thing right now. Your school, your job, your community. People that maybe you rub shoulders with on a regular basis. But stand firm for God wherever you have been placed 
in your homes, your jobs, your schools, your workplace, in the community. And live faithfully for God, no matter what other people do. It would be very easy for Obadiah to kind of give up and say, well, my boss believes this. My boss has these kinds of things, and guess what he's doing to prophets and those who are following after God? I might as well just give up. No matter what other individuals do around us, let us take a stand. Let us live faithfully for God. Two powerful descriptions. If you and I are, if we're wanting to be a true servant of God, here's a couple to start with. That we trust the timing of God. We live faithfully for God. Thirdly, that we demonstrate godly priorities. Godly priorities. Verse 5 and 6. Ahab speaks to Obadiah, his administrator. Go through the land to all the springs and valleys. Maybe we can find some grass. Why? They're in the midst of a drought. There's been no water. They're in the third year. And he is passionate about finding some grass and water. Why? To keep the horses and mules alive. So we will not have to kill any of our animals. So they divided the land they were to cover, Ahab in one direction and Obadiah in another. God's priorities have got to be our priorities. The things that are important to God ought to be the things that are important to us. Does it seem off to anybody the priorities of King Ahab? The king, the ruler, the leader of this land, of this nation. And they're in the third year of famine and drought. There's no water. Elijah has declared it. And what is the king worried about? We got to check. We got to search the land. We got to find some grass or find some water for my horses. My people, who cares? My horses, my mules, we got to take care of them. Are those priorities off a little bit? Yet many times in our culture and in our society, priorities are not lining up with the Word of God. Priorities tend to be what's, what's easiest, what's convenient. Or what do I feel most like? As opposed to what does God's word say about this issue or this issue or this part of culture and society? What we see, Obadiah was, was out trying to take care of God's people. Elijah was listening to and being used of God. He, he was trained and equipped in seclusion. God used it to be a, a blessing to the widow and her son. He's, he's following God's hand of being used for his honor and his glory. Jezebel's trying to kill prophets. Ahab's just trying to help out his horses and his mules. Are God's priorities our priorities? Do, do we dig into what God's word said is important to, to read and study and pray and, and understand the heart of God as contained in his word? Sometimes 
we try to see which, which way, which, which direction are the cultural winds blowing? Well, it seems like most people think this. Most people believe this. Culture and society tend to be heading in this direction. I must then jump in and follow their priorities because that's what everybody else is doing. Our priorities have, have got to be in accordance with God's word, not personal preference. And certainly, at the heart of the issue, people are the heart of the issue. All throughout Scripture, all throughout the Word of God, God is concerned about people. Now, that doesn't mean we don't take care of pets and we don't take care of animals. Don't hear that! But what's the priority? What's the preference here? What ought we to do in, in, in our lives? Are, are we looking out to take care of people that God has sent his son Jesus Christ to die for? Are we concerned about those people who are lost? Or are we getting caught up in some of these other side issues? Good things, perhaps, but not godly priorities. Are people and reaching people for God important? With Elijah, with Obadiah, they were, they were following godly priorities. Ahab and Jezebel, certainly not following God's priorities. A fourth characteristic quality description, perhaps, of a child of God, a servant of God, is this. That we walk in God's providence. Walk in God's providence. So, verse 7 and 8. Ahab and Obadiah had separated, and Ahab went this way, Obadiah went this way. They're, they're trying to or supposed to be looking for grass or water. So verse 7, as Obadiah was walking along, Elijah met him. What are the chances of that? Obadiah recognized him, bowed down to the ground, and said, Is it really you? Yes, he replied. Go tell your master, Elijah is here. Men and women of God, children of God, servants of God will walk in God's providence, not just stumble around in coincidence. A lot of things happen in life, and sometimes we go, oh, what a coincidence. But isn't it a coincidence how people living for and faithful to and servants of God see God provide in his providence time and time and time again. Understand, God is preparing and God is supplying in his providence. God takes care of his children. God takes care of his servants. So understand and recognize the providence of God. Don't skip over that. You ever had some of those situations? You're looking to do something for the Lord. Gonna get, get involved in a ministry for the Lord, and God supplies the resources exactly what you wanted. You, you were going this direction to do this kind of activity or event, and you felt kind of a, a nudge. You bumped into somebody who just so happened to need your word of encouragement, your prayer, your scripture, your kindness. You just so happened to bump into them. Just going along the way, you bumped into somebody. 
time after time after time. It's the providence and guidance and direction of God, not just mere chance and coincidence. Servants of God walk in the providence, walk in the oversight, walk in the care of God. God ordains and places individuals and peoples and circumstances in our paths. Trust in him for those connections. Trust in him for those friendships. Trust in him for those conversations. Trust in him for those meetings. Even trust in him for some of those deals. Maybe you've, you've been somewhere and you're praying, God, I've, I've got this limited budget and we need to do this. And you go and you, you find this incredible bargain and buy and a deal and you say, thank you, God. Coincidence? Or the provision and providence of God upon a true and faithful servant of God. True servants will walk in God's providence. Finally, this morning from this particular chapter, a little bit longer passage, these next few verses. A true servant of God will obey God courageously. So Obadiah just happens to meet Elijah. And now we're going to see kind of the, the details and the backstory of what King Ahab and Jezebel have been doing. And we're going to see that both Elijah and Obadiah are, are maybe a little bit hesitant and, and need the courage of obeying God. Verse 9, what have I done wrong, asked Obadiah, that you are handing your servant over to Ahab to be put to death? Because Elijah said to Obadiah, go tell your master, go to King Ahab and tell him I'm here. Obadiah says you're, you're basically signing a, a death sentence upon yourself. Verse 10, as surely as the Lord your God lives, there's not a nation or kingdom where my master has not sent someone to look for you. So they're in the third year, and he's saying, Ahab has sent people all over the place looking for you. He's mad at you. You've declared no rain. You've declared no dew. Elijah, he's looking for you. Whenever a nation or kingdom claimed you were not there, he made them swear they could not find you. But now you tell me to go to him and say, Elijah is here? Here's where some of that fear comes in for Obadiah. Verse 12, I don't know where the Spirit of the Lord may carry you when I leave you. And if I go and tell Ahab and he doesn't find you, he will kill me. I mean, he's been looking for you for years. If I go and say, hey, boss, I just bumped into Elijah. He's over here. And Ahab goes to find you. And you're not there because you've left and God carried you someplace. Now I'm in trouble. Yet I, your servant... Obadiah says, I've worshipped the Lord since my youth. Haven't you heard what I did while Jezebel was killing the prophets of the Lord? I hid a hundred of the Lord's prophets in two caves, fifty in each, supplied them with food and water. And now you tell me to go to my master and say, Elijah is here? He will kill me. There's, there's some fear, there's some nervousness, there's some trepidation on his part. And Elijah said, as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, I will surely present myself to Ahab today. Probably a little bit of nervousness on both parts, right? 
Obadiah, the devout follower of God, who's, who's trying to take care of 100 prophets of God without his master knowing? And now he's bumped into public enemy number one, and Elijah says, yep, just reveal me. Tell your boss you found me. He hasn't found you in three years. If I tell him that and he can't find you, I'm dead. A little nervousness, a little trepidation and fear. What about on Elijah's part? It doesn't necessarily state it. He's emphatic. Yes, I will go. Yes, I will present myself. God's word has said to go to King Ahab. Don't you think there's been at least a, a little something bouncing around in his head? He's declared before the king, no rain, no dew. But now for just about three years, he's been by himself with the brook and the ravens or hanging out with a, a widow and her son. And he's not been engaged in this powerful, upfront, dynamic, confrontational, confront the king kind of ministry. But God said, it's time. And Elijah said, I'm going to do it. So on both of their parts, they were needing to obey, but not, you know, this isn't kind of shake your head. This isn't kind of, you know, weasel around and, and sort of move forward. They both are needing to obey, but obey courageously. What about you and I? We read God's word, we, we're encouraged, we're, we're nudged by the voice of God, the word of God. And he confronts us with something, he challenges us with something, and we kind of hem and haul around, and I'm not sure if I can do that, God. Boy, that, that seems like a, a big thing to ask. Well, not just do we trust God's timing, and not just do we sort of kind of obey we obey courageously in his might and in his power and in his strength. Elijah, no doubt, was ready to obey, but, but that extra little nudge, no, no doubt some things are going through his mind. He was needing to follow through and obey courageously. He declares, yes, I will present myself to him. I will courageously obey what God said. He's nudging Obadiah to do the same thing. Obadiah, I know it's kind of crazy. Obadiah, I know he's been looking for me for years, but I want you to tell him you found me, and I guarantee I'll show. Both Elijah and Obadiah were needing to obey courageously. So really, as we, we get to the end of this particular portion of Scripture, we're reminded about things that God has done in virtually every scene. Elijah heard God's word. Elijah trusted in God. And Elijah obeyed courageously. Every scene. The first session of our time together, he heard God's word. He trusted to present himself before the king and declare no rain, no dew. He obeyed courageously. Scene two. God sets him apart, brings him to the brook, feeds him by the ravens. He heard the voice of the Lord, 
He trusted that God was going to supply and provide and take care. He obeyed courageously, trusting in crazy room service. Scene three. Okay, that was great for a season, Elijah. Now I'm going to take care of you with a widow and her son. Go see somebody who has hardly anything, just a little handful of flour, just a, a little speck of oil. He heard the word of the Lord, trusted in God, trusted God's word, trusted God's provision, obeyed courageously, and saw what God was doing. And it all continues in our fourth scene. God declares he's to head back in front of King Ahab. And he tells Obadiah, here's what's going on. He had heard God's word. He was trusting in God. He's getting ready to obey courageously. Descriptions, characteristics of, of the true believer, the true servant of God. Are we putting ourselves in position to hear what God's word has to say to us, the, the voice of God would guide and direct us? And then as a result, are we fully committed to and trusting in what God's word has to say? And then even though we might trust what he has to say, are we willing to step out and courageously obey what he calls us to do? Huge contrasts in this early part of chapter 18. We see Elijah, the bold, outgoing, confrontational prophet of God, is a servant of God. As well, we're introduced to Obadiah. Maybe not the bold, confrontational type, but he was the faithful, stand-up-for-God, even in the midst of a dark administration kind. They both, in their own ways, were living in obedience as true servant of God. Contrast by King Ahab and Jezebel. How about you? How about me? Much more impactful than what Disney princess are you? More impacting than what's your Enneagram number? Might be interesting, might be unique, might be helpful. But more than that, are you and I truly a true servant of God? Will we trust the timing of God? Will we live faithfully for God? Will we demonstrate godly priorities, walk in God's providence, and obey God courageously no matter what? 